Friends, today is a pioneering and very important event. The event of Rainbow Jews launching the exhibition and film which celebrates LGBT Jewish history and heritage in the United Kingdom. Of course, we should acknowledge first the support of the National Lottery through the Heritage Lottery Fund. And without them, this pioneering work which they're funding wouldn't have taken place at all. Before we get into the main event, I've got some... They're sort of housekeeping, but they're modern housekeeping. In my old building, we have to talk about toilets and fire exits. Now I have to talk about Twitter hashtags and photography. So forget about the toilets and the fire exits, but remember this, that the relevant Twitter hashtag is RJ, and that's capital R, capital J, exhibition. And we are recording this event, so if you don't want to be recorded, I guess you need to leave now, face the other way, or something that stops you being seen. But this event will be recorded, and a podcast of it will be available on LSE Online. I also have to give apologies for the Mayor of Camden, who was supposed to join us, but at short notice has been unable to fix the transport of London and is detained elsewhere. Friends, what do we need to say in introduction? I haven't introduced myself, which was greatly discourteous of me. My name is Danny Rich, I'm a rabbi, and I'm the Chief Executive of Liberal Judaism. And Liberal Judaism has housed, if you like, the whole of this project. And Surat, the project organiser, has been living with us now, um, not in sin, I hasten to say, but been living with us for some period of time. And we've delighted in having the ex- uh, her work, uh, which has both pioneering, as I've suggested, but has involved more than 100 volunteers, some of whom we've seen in the Montague Centre. So I'm sure there'll be other places to thank all the volunteers, but I do want to say more than 100 people giving of their time to make sure this exhibition and this record is actually in place. And so I'm going to say, on behalf of everybody, thank you to all those volunteers who made that possible. And what has been made possible, as you're going to see, is an archive and a record. A record that might well have been lost had... Surat and her team and all sorts of other people who will be thanked, they hadn't taken the opportunity to make this record. But on behalf of Liberal Judaism, I want to associate ourselves with it because we're very proud. Liberal Judaism's task is to give voice to those whose voices are not always heard, to record the histories of those who sometimes get lost. And we see it as an expression of our prophetic justice that this voice can now be heard. And you're going to hear much about it in a few moments. Surat, are you ready now? So I want to introduce Surat, who's been the project director, project coordinator, and I'm going to leave it to her. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Danny, for this amazing introduction, but he hasn't learned his gender pronoun use yet. <laughs> those, those people who know me know what I'm saying. Anyways, <laughs> you know... Um, wow, okay, um, thanks for, for being here, everyone. This is amazing. I mean, seriously, you know, braving uh, the bad weather and tube strikes and all the rest of it, you really, you know, you, you, you really want to be here, and I really, really appreciate that. So thank you, everyone, for, for coming along tonight and celebrating this um, um, occasion, this really, really amazing occasion with us. So um, I'm not going to really speak a lot about myself, what I really, really want to... I want to continue with a thanking without getting into an Oscar speech. I promise I won't do that. Um, there is, though, uh, there are a couple of people and, obviously, um, organisations I, I, I do need to thank publicly, and that's, as Danny already said, is first and foremost the Heritage Lottery Fund for supporting this project. Without such funds and without the Heritage Lottery, this, this wouldn't be possible, and this history would be fragmented, hidden, and perhaps probably lost at some point. So it's just amazing to, to, to be able to do that. And when I think back about two years ago when we started this, yeah, it, it was like a puzzle, you know, a puzzle of like zillions of pieces. Uh, there was a history, but it was just, yeah, as I said, fragmented. And now it feels like we're almost there, you know, we almost have the complete puzzle. 
and it's 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 a real amazing feeling and it's just to be able to do that so thank you funders and thank you supporters and thank you hosting organization liberal judaism but it's not only organizations we get there later to um, other organizations like university of portsmouth um, it's individuals that have made this project and as danny already said um so many volunteers so many people collaborators and people who have given their time um and uh, expertise and all the rest of it to this project and there's one person in particular he's who's been priceless which is our exhibition curator <laughs> and coordinator Charlotte Kingston please give a very big hand for Charlotte Charlotte this way yeah there's um a great number of people and um, so all these people as you can see it's two A4 pages full of names and organizations and um, we're passing around the credit list because I really do want you to know who's been involved uh, because it's been such an amazing amazing journey together with all these people and organizations and so please do take a look and um, most of the people, organizations, or representatives of the organizations are here tonight. So we'll have plenty of time at reception to get to know each other. Um, I haven't managed to do this with everyone, but um, I wanted to give all our project volunteers and, and collaborators these little rainbow stickers. So there's some press people around as well who wanted to speak to some key contributors. So if you feel you, you are happy to give a little interview or answer questions of, you know, just by anyone really about the project and your involvement, get, um, yeah, just let me know and I'll give you a little rainbow sticker or two or three. I've got three. So anyways, this list. And also make sure you're getting a special edition of this booklet that again, Charlotte <laughs> and um, her friend Kate have produced, her colleague Kate. Again, an amazing booklet. It's a special edition just for tonight. So don't miss to grab a copy, all right? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Was I going to say anything else? I'm not sure. I'll just say thank you and enjoy tonight. Really, really do. And I'm looking forward to working with you or celebrating with you. Rainbow Juice is just, this is just the beginning, okay? privileges of hosting Rainbow Jew is that Surat's become my teacher. She knows I'm a slow learner, but I'm getting there very slowly. <laughs> He's a great boss, honestly. <laughs> Friends, we were due to be joined by Rabbi Lionel Blue, but unfortunately Lionel is in hospital and not well. And uh, I know we would want to send him our best wishes, but more importantly, he's got a message for us. And Alma's going to relay that message to us. Hi, my name's Alma Smith. I'm one of the co-chairs of Keshet UK, which is a forum advocating for LGBT inclusion in the Jewish community. And it's been an honour to be a partner with Rainbow Jews. It's an outstanding project, and I'm very excited for tonight. Rabbi Lionel Blue was also really excited about tonight, and I have this message from him. It is the nicest birthday present I ever had to be invited to this meeting. It's my Yiddish muzzle that I cannot make it because I'm in hospital with heart trouble. So sorry. But my heart is in the right place and it is with you all the time. Bless you and all your work. Only those who experienced the situation before 1968 realize how important your work is. God bless. Um, he is in hospital and it is his birthday today. And so what we're going to do, and I hope you're all up for it, is sing him happy birthday. Surat is going to film it, and then we'll show him the video. I know it would mean a huge amount to him to see everyone singing happy birthday for him. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to
now my great pleasure to welcome to the podium Peter Tatchell, Human Rights Defender. On the contrary, it's uh, my great honour to be here and join you this evening. Um, I think we all know that the Jewish and LGBT communities have many shared experiences. Different, but shared. Uh, shared experiences of persecution and indeed of triumph over that persecution. And of course, in Jewish LGBT people, the two experiences are combined. The legacy, the history of struggle against persecution and injustice is one that both our communities have endured and still endure. We see all across Europe today rising anti-Semitism. Even in great democratic nations like France, we see that anti-Semitism is once again becoming respectable. Sometimes explicit, sometimes subtle and disguised. And likewise in parts of Europe, we see rising levels of homophobia and transphobia. What is happening in Russia today, the demonization and vilification of LGBT people, has echoes of the demonization and vilification of Jewish people in the late 1920s and early 1930s in Germany. Of course, there are no Nuremberg laws in Russia today. There are no concentration camps. But the level of public vitriol against LGBT people is very similar, or has echoes of, the kind of vitriol visited upon Jewish people by Joseph Goebbels and Der Sturmer in Nazi Germany. It's creating an atmosphere where mob violence and far-right extremism is being given a license to hunt LGBT people, as we saw in last night's Channel 4 Dispatches documentary. And that ought to be a wake-up call for all people everywhere. Everyone who loves and cherishes human rights ought to be taking a stand against anti-Semitism in Europe and the rest of the world, and against homophobia and transphobia in Russia and the rest of the world. We need to take a stand. We need to signal. <coughs> we need to signal that these forms... Sorry. Yeah, we need to signal loud and clear to governments and to people everywhere that we as individuals, that we as communities stand united against all forms of prejudice, discrimination and hate crime. Many of you will know that... <coughs> sorry, I've got a very bad cough, sorry. Many of you will know that in the 1980s and 1990s, I did a lot of research with others to try and document the then still largely hidden history of the persecution of gay people in Nazi Germany. And in particular, to discover and persuade some of those survivors to speak out. And they eventually did. When we eventually got exhibitions in the Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington, D.C., and in the Holocaust exhibition at the Imperial War Museum. Those witness statements, like the witness statements of Jewish people, are incredibly powerful, moving, personal testimonies. Not only a documentation of what happened, the horrors, the sheer horrors of what happened, but also as a warning, as a warning that never again must these things be allowed to happen to anyone. 
I was born in 1952, just seven years after the end of the Second World War. As a young boy, nearly all the books and films and comics I read were about the war. And I can remember thinking at about, probably at the age of 12 or 13, why did people allow Hitler to come to power? Why did government stand back and allow Germany to rearm? Why did so many governments look the other way when Jewish people, communists, gay people, Roma, Jehovah's Witnesses and others were being rounded up? I remember thinking to myself, if such a situation ever arose again, I would not want to look the other way. That I would feel the responsibility to try and do something. And that was one of the imperatives that pushed me to become a human rights campaigner. To take to heart that message of never again. The final thing I just want to do is share with you my personal friendship with Charlie McLean. I think probably many of you know, but some of you may not. Um, Charlie was born in Nazi Germany. Um, her father and mother both perished in the Holocaust. Her uncle, Kurt Bach, was gay and a left-wing activist and Jewish. And he was rounded up very early on and died in Sachsenhausen concentration camp. Charlie was one of the lucky Jewish family members. She managed to get on a transport to come to Britain in 1939 to escape, to come to a place of refuge that sadly almost none of her other family succeeded in doing. They all perished. As many of you know that Charlie for many years found it very, very, very difficult to talk about this experience. And I can remember meeting her once a long, long time ago in the early 1980s. And just accidentally, she let out this story about coming to Britain in 1939. And I said to her, where did you come from? You know, why did you come to Britain? And there came this outpouring of her personal story, her family story, uh, which I documented in some articles. And Charlie then began, to a wider audience, tell her story and her family story. She participated with me in trying to memorialise not only Jewish refugees and Jewish victims of Nazism, but also LGBT ones. And in the early to mid-1990s, when there was still a ban on laying a pink triangle wreath at the Cenotaph in Whitehall, Charlie joined with me and others to challenge that ban. We laid our pink triangle wreaths after Remembrance Day services, and on VE Day, the anniversary of victory in Europe, and every single time, within hours, the wreath was removed. But we persisted. We persisted. We challenged the British Legion we challenged the government department in charge of monuments and memorials. And eventually, finally, in 1985, with Charlie McClay and others, I went to the Cenotaph and we laid a wreath, a pink triangle wreath, in memory of the LGBT people and all those who died at the hands of the Nazis, civilians and combatants alike. That was the first time the wreath was not removed. And in subsequent years, when the LGBT organisation outrage was very active, we held queer remembrance days. Immediately after the main ceremony, we marched with a group, sometimes only 20 or 30, sometimes two or 300, to the Cenotaph to lay pink triangle wreaths. And I can remember, I think it was in 1998, um, amazingly, the police allowed us to go immediately after the main final procession had finished. And I can remember the thousands and thousands of people lying the route 
cheering and applauding and shouting respect as we carried pink triangle flags and pink triangle reeds. I think without that support and encouragement and involvement of Charlotte McLean, we would have never won that battle because she spoke as an authentic personal witness, as someone who had lived through this horrendous period in human history and was prepared to tell her story and challenge those in power who sought to deny it. So my final words tonight are, Shardy McLean, thank you for your witness. Thank you for your extraordinary life. You are a lesbian Jewish survivor who gives inspiration to us all. Thank you. It's now my great delight to invite to the lectern Professor Catherine Harper, Dean of the Faculty of Creative and Cultural Industries in the University of Portsmouth. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. It's a difficult act to follow a happy birthday to Rabbi Blue and uh, Peter Tatchell speaking, so bear with me for a few moments. Um, can you hear me at the back? Yes? Good. Okay. Um, I was delighted to be invited to come here this evening by Surat to say a few words at the launch of this Rainbow Jews uh, exhibit. And I'm pleased to see a suitably rainbow audience in front of me. I think it's going to be a wonderful evening, and I'm certainly looking forward to it. Now, my colleague um, from Portsmouth, Cyril Koshberg, provided me with project details in advance, and there's nothing quite like actually being here to, to see you all and to speak to you just for a little few moments. The Rainbow Jews Oral History and Archive pro Project explores the key intersection, as you will see, between those identities of being Jewish and of being LGBTQ. And I'm adding Q there both formidable identities with significant and powerful histories and contexts of their own. And here we will see their convergence in this exhibit, which is timely, eloquent, and of considerable potency. It's significant that the launch of this travelling exhibit takes place now during LGBT History Month, because it is our collective and disparate histories, the narratives of our being, that shapes and forms our contemporary cultures of being. So truly, there is nothing quite like being here at this moment. Through this project, we have opportunity to, to discover how stories and experiences of LGBT Jewish people have shaped and formed British culture from the 1950s to today. We can listen to and understand the truly diverse range of Jewish voices that we will hear, from ultra-Orthodox lesbian voices, to bisexual rabbi, rabbis' voices, to gay Holocaust survivors' voices, and to those <coughs> of transgender activists. It is truly right and proper that, they, that we take time now to listen to our brothers and sisters as they speak as they testify, as they proclaim, as they whisper, as they confide, as they assert and make known through that that they and we are here. Now a few words about University of Portsmouth and the colleagues there and here tonight. Searle became involved in this wonderful national lottery funded Rainbow Jews project as a consequence of his documentary-based PhD on Jewish Gay London. We have a number of students here tonight uh, who have been involved too in making our part of the project significant. And if I can just name-check them here tonight, we've got Nick, Marcy, Sean, Stephen, Emma. You're welcome and thank you for being part of this. Surat, the project manager at Rainbow Jews, invited Searle to join the steering group and that was made up, therefore, of persons representing UK archives, museums, LGBT faith organisations, and so on. And as a consequence, University of Portsmouth became engaged, producing and directing filmed interviews and television shows for the project. Here, then, it is right and proper of me to thank those students 
to thank our technical staff and our colleagues Richard Hackett and Luke Robertson, who along with Searle produced this film tonight. I am proud of my university's commitment to this project and to these histories, to this landmark project celebrating UK Jewish, lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender history and heritage since the Second World War, the first such project in the UK. Why is this significant? The theme of Rainbow Jews is pioneers and milestones, and we know that religious taboos and prejudice within the wider community have prevented LGBT Jewish people from valuing overtly their heritage. This speaks for these distinctive groups, Jewish people, LGBT people. And their convergence here is especially impacted by a range of taboo, prejudice, ignorance, hostility, fear of the unknown, and unwillingness to embrace with humanity the diversity of our humanity. We have seen, and Peter has certainly alluded to this, we have seen and indeed continue to see the devastation caused by that hostility. And we think about this, pro- we think in this project uh, in remembrance of those who have been in the past and indeed who are in the present the victims of the terrible consequences of both homophobia and anti-Semitism. This project records and values the personal stories of LGBT Jewish people from the period of shock in the aftermath of the Second World War when the dreadful terror of the Holocaust was only truly being comprehended and through the 50s and 60s when male homosexuality was still a crime and when lesbianism and the world of the transgendered was still invisible or at best murky tainted, shameful. The project then traces the enormous changes in society regarding LGBT rights in the past 60 years and allows the political to be told through the personal, through voices, animated by face, by gesture, by accent, by ethnicity and by experience. Over 40 leaders and members of this community explore the narratives, the milestones and the achievements of the LGBT Jewish community in the UK to date, speaking each one in turn to represent those who cannot speak, those who would not speak and those who are no longer with us to speak. That this is honoured and archived, listened to and disseminated is important. It is important because it is truly right and proper, as I said earlier, to speak, testify, proclaim, whisper, confide, assert and make known through that that they and we are here. (coughs) The right to speak is a human right under Article 19 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. We know this is not a universal truth. And we know that in some circumstances it is easier to speak of that declaration than to speak of our truth. But this evening is about noticing where truths are spoken and reaffirming our collective commitment to our right to speak and our right to be heard. I would like to thank Rainbow Jews for making this happen here and now and for the future. And I will reconfirm my personal commitment here as a gay woman, to ensuring that I speak my own truth in order to provide a voice, a representation and a conduit for those who cannot. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Catherine. And um, Peter Taschel just uh, sends his regards. He has to run to some TV shot, but he'll be back um, for schmoozing um, at the reception. So um, if you're missing Peter Taschel, he's going to be back with us around eight. Um, Are we ready for um, the screening? Yes. I think so. Right. We're going to have a a Q&A afterwards, um, so please don't run off. Um, Let's have our panellists, some of whom you'll know. I'll introduce them in just a moment. Let's have them up here.
Some you might recognise from the film. Professor Harper, you're joining us too, I think. Aren't you? <laughs> so, Professor Harper, you've already heard from. Mark Solomon opened the film. Surat's been all over the film. <laughs> and um, Sir was in the background, but he was. Oh, no, he also spoke, didn't he? But he's okay. our producer. So, you've got a very intimately involved in this process. And we haven't got very long, but we've got a roving mic. Is there a roving mic? Yes, we have a roving mic at the back. Two roving mics. Let's have some questions. When you answer the first question, if you need to introduce yourself in any way, you can do. But there's a question over at this side. Hi, my name is Sue Sanders. I'm from Schools Out, co-chair of Schools Out and LGBT History Month in the classroom. Wonderful to have this event tonight. I I'm, I'm feel very excited and moved by it. Um, Catherine, you mentioned that it was LGBT History Month. Music to my ears, clearly. Nine years in, we've done a lot. We came from an educational place. Here we see the University of Portsmouth picking this up. I'd like to hear from all the panellists, in a sense. What do you see the, the purpose of this film doing as far as making, moving forward in education? Do you see it being used in schools? What sort of age groups? And bless the university for, for, for doing it and getting it out there. Shall I start off yeah. with the rest of the panel? I'm not sure. Is, can you hear me? Yeah? I think it's vital that we keep that conversation going. Certainly, I can speak for university level, and I know that still there are young people and older people in universities who feel not fully part of the discourse, who feel isolated, lonely, uncertain. Um, I, I remember somebody saying to me once that, the process, that coming out isn't just a one-off event. It happens permanently. You know, we're, we're constantly in a coming out mode. And I'm conscious that a, within a university, there's a constituency of young people and, as I say, slightly older people who are about to take that leap into the dark, to put their toe into the water and check if, if this thing is true. And I think, you know, we, we are in a, certainly in a context where, you know, never before has there been more discussion about being LGBT, um, but I still think it's a terrifying place. And I think that universities, certainly as a dean in a university, I feel that we've got a, a major responsibility to make sure that the context that we exist in is open to young people who are beginning to explore their sexuality and think carefully about that. You know, we, the fear is, is not very far away. You know, we know what homophobia looks like and it's around us and I think we, it's incumbent upon us to keep that conversation going and keep pushing back on that. Thank you. Any other panellists want to make a comment? Well, as in terms of resources, educational resources, as a part of the Rainbow Juice project, we're starting to produce them, and um, obviously the film materials will come in really handy because I think they're an amazing educational tool. And so, yes, um, we're going to have that um, online and obviously shared with schools and uh, organisations like Schools Out, Sue Sanders and LGBT History Month, and work in partnership with, with many, many um, faculties, um, schools, uh, educational institutes. So uh, there's a lot more to come. Uh, I've just been to a conference in South Africa, and we talked a lot about the power of sharing stories globally. And I think it is the most powerful tool. And so, yes, um, oral history is uh, definitely something that needs to be supported. And um, across Britain, across the communities, uh, different heritages and across the world, really. When Suat speaks, you know why the project was success, don't you? Not only did she pack a lot in everything that's being said, but she talks about, uh, Suat talks about partnerships and about um, working with others and connecting things. A great model for us all. Anybody else? Or we've got another question. I would just like to say that we need allies. We need people who are prepared to step forward and do the work. And I have to say, uh, my five students who are here tonight, would you stand up, please? Now, these are, these are undergraduates. <laughs> who were interested in the project. They are not Jewish. None of them are Jewish. None of them are... LGBT as far as I know, okay? <laughs> and, um, but they step forward and they work their asses off for a year with me on this project. And that's what it takes. It takes people not only within our community but beyond our community to say, yes, 
I want to tell a story, and I want to help someone tell a story. So the equipment's out there. It's not the equipment. It's sitting in the stores cupboard. It just needs people to step forward. Thank you. There's a question at the back and then one in the, down the middle here. Yes, thank you. Um, it's um, possibly less a question. My name is Rosalind Haber. Um, in 1992, um, I made a documentary film for Channel 4 called Oi Gay. Um, in fact, I have one of the participants here. Um, it was also um, screened at the... Um, I think it was the eighth, uh, eighth um, Jewish film festival at the National Film Theatre. So this was something that was seen um, nationally um, and went to various film festivals abroad. This is 22 years ago. You're right, the story does need to be continued to be said, to be told. Um, so it's really just... I'm sorry? Good question coming. No, it's mainly, I did say this is not a question, but it is a presentation for an archive and a history project to remind you that there were things that the stories ha were being told many years ago and that perhaps you might be interested in um, having copies of it or hearing about Absolutely. the making of that film. I watched your film this week. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. That's brilliant. Thank you. I don't say it's a question now because I'll get in trouble, but there's an observational question here. <laughs> now, this is a question. Uh, my name's Ed Teager. Uh, would you comment on the, uh, the still the hidden nature of uh, the bisexual, the B part of the LGBT, both in the Jewish community and elsewhere? Mark? Like to take that. Rabbi? Mark? Let's take that one. <laughs> Well, I'll start that off. Um, well, it's a good, a good point, uh, Ed, and it's something that we don't tend to talk about all that much, uh, even though the letter is there, as you say, in the abbreviation. And uh, I think it's, we're, we're all on a journey. Uh, some, some of us will be further ahead than others. Uh, and I still hear and encounter a fair bit of prejudice, I think, in the gay community against people who identify as bisexual. And, I, you know, I've been on a journey myself, I suppose, to... Uh, realizing over the years that, that that needs to be taken very seriously and respected. Um, and uh, I think probably what we need now are more people to identify as bi to come out and be willing to talk about it and share what that means for them and uh, what that means for their aspirations for relationships and for community. But I think we, we really need to acknowledge that. I mean, the fact that the other letter there is the T and... It was great that Bella was in the film and that uh, more and more transgender people, transgender Jews, are, are around and visible and willing to tell their stories. But for years that didn't happen either. Uh, it was maybe there in theory. But I remember years ago when in liberal Judaism when we started deliberating about same-sex commitment <coughs> ceremonies which then turned into same-sex marriage, we were approached right at the beginning by a trans group who said, you know, can you do something for us? And I, I, I still feel ashamed at that time we said, well, no, because you know, we don't really know enough about it and we're just desperately trying to deal with the L and the G bit. Um, and, and T has come along and, and the B will probably arrive as well. Anybody else? Or do we have another? Well, I was just going to say, um, it, it, it reflects the stories we've collected. We've collected so far and there's more to come, um, around 40 stories, both recorded as audio um, interviews or as you've seen some of them audiovisual recordings and in, in terms of the B and the T very few people have told us B and T stories we've got loads of L and we've got loads of G stories um, we have one I story if you know what that means we're going through the alphabet soup now <laughs> welcome to the alphabet soup um, and we've got uh, well I'm the Q story per perhaps I uh, haven't even given my oral history I think um, we should go there some point. <laughs> I did tell you so, to learn all the time. So, no. <laughs> yeah, Danny has that day in, day out of the office. He's learning um, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> flagging up the queue. Um, <laughs> so, we, if you have a story, um, any story, it could be the LGB, the, the T, the Q, the I, and, and so on and so forth, or none of it, and something completely different, please come forward. We'd like to hear that story. We need that diversity, and not only in this community but also in other communities. But for this project, please do tell your story. It would help others. Thank you. 
Hi, my name's Emma. Um, there's a bill going through Parliament at the moment looking at the very, very, very controversial practice of conversion therapy, seeking to ban it. And I know that's been... So they've focused quite a lot on the Christian people who are quite extreme and trying to do conversion therapy. Is that a problem that you've faced in the Jewish faith at all? We do have some people here in the audience who are better able to speak about this than... Uh, is anyone prepared? Dave, do you want to say something? Alma, would you like to say something? Can we get a microphone? Is anybody willing to speak? Yeah. I think uh, Alma might say something, and then if anybody else wants to... Hi. Thanks, Alma. Um, yeah, it, it is a problem, um, particularly in certain areas. There's an organization called Jonah, which stands for Jews Offering New Alternatives to Homosexuality, and they have also launched an anti-trans group too. They're much more active in America than they are here, but we do know of people being referred to them through counselors online or over the phone, and it's something that at Kesha UK... We're really passionate that the Jewish community is at the forefront of saying it's not okay. Um, and it's completely unacceptable. It's so harmful. And all the research shows how harmful it is. I know everyone in this room agrees. Um, but there's the majority of the Jewish community here, I'd say, is comfortable to be vocal against that kind of practice. But we couldn't say it doesn't exist. I don't know if you want to add it. Anybody else want to add? Okay. Any others? Very quiet. We <laughs> there is a hand going there. up there. Quiet QS in the audience. Rafel over there. One there. I just, and first of all, I need to apologise for my voice. Uh, I'm going to say in advance, I thought quite a bit about asking this question because I don't know what kind of reaction I'm going to get, but I think it's an important issue. Uh, is anyone on the panel familiar with the term pinkwashing? And pink washing. Pink washing. That... Yeah, if, if, if anyone is, could they offer an explanation? And I think they're... somebody's nodding. I think Mark's nodding. Yeah, Mark's nodding. Washing. And then, of course, could they give some thoughts on that? Because I think there's a very interesting intersection there between Jewish identity slash Zionist identity and LGBT identity and the extent to which those identities are being used or adapted for political purposes by other groups in the Jewish community. I, I just want to offer this as a discussion point, and I'm, not try I'm trying desperately not to weigh in with my view because I want to hear what... Okay, well, if any of the panel wants to comment on pinkwashing. Well, I'm speaking today for British um, history and heritage, and we haven't come across this in any of our stories, so I'd like to refer the question to anybody else who'd like to comment. It's a very good question. Thank you. Are you talking about um, LGBT values being normalized? And, and, no, no, uh, no. Let, me call, let, me, let me Let me explain what the term, how I understand the term being used. Uh, it, it's in reference to Israel and the way in which uh, Israel uh, in recent times um, has been promoting itself very energetically uh, as a haven for LGBT people, as a tourist destination for gay men in particular. Uh, Tel Aviv has become the uh, sort of symbol of gay liberation in the the Middle East, as it were, um, and uh, speaking for myself and um, I imagine for many people, I'm, I'm sort of thrilled and delighted uh, at the way in which Israeli society has transformed, especially since the mid-1990s, um, and gay rights have really taken off there, and Tel Aviv indeed, and uh, other parts of Israel as well, have become um, much more welcoming, and it's possible to be openly gay, to build a gay Jewish life and families uh, in, in, uh, in Israel. Uh, but there are those um, who uh, see this as a sort of cynical ploy by Israel to make itself look politically acceptable and to short-circuit criticism about other human rights abuses. Uh, and so there are those, mainly I would say in the fairly extreme anti-Zionist uh, lobby, who criticize... Um, uh, Israel's self-promotion or people who support the LGBT uh, visibility in Israel as somehow making Israel look normal and acceptable when many people feel that, it, that uh, things Israel do are not normal and acceptable. So obviously we're getting here into deep political waters that I think have very little to do with the, the rights and wrongs of LGBT life and visibility and everything to do with Zionist and anti-Zionist agendas. Uh, I, I feel very strongly uh, as uh, 
a gay man who is both proud of Israel and very critical of Israel, that we need to keep the two things distinct. We need to celebrate uh, LGBT life and freedom in Israel and also the freedom Israel very often offers for LGBT Palestinians who have found, not always as much as we might like, but have found also a haven in Israel um, and celebrate that and deal with the other political issues about the occupation and so forth uh, where that's appropriate. But the idea of of somehow criticizing LGBT rights in Israel because it makes Israel look good, um, I think that is a bit of um, unacceptable extreme anti-Zionist rhetoric. I have congregants. <laughs> I have congregants who disagree with me about that, but that's my view. Okay, well, never mind. There's uh, another question or point coming here. Hi, um, my name's Lisa. Um, <clears throat> I've actually spent the last six months making a documentary um, in Tel Aviv about exactly what you're talking about, about pinkwashing and the claims that um, it's basically by an anti-Israel boycott movement have started them in New York saying that, like you said yourself, it's a cynical ploy. And from spending time in Tel Aviv a long time and shooting, uh, what myself and my partner Harriet, who's somewhere in the audience here, um, came to realise is that I suppose it's natural for a country that is promoting liberalism and tolerant values to actually say, look at us, this is what we're doing. And so I don't see that as a bad thing. I actually think that's a really positive thing. And especially um, with the Winter Olympics in Russia, if we look at what's going on at the moment, and we're seeing that in many places in the world it's still such a problem to be free and be LGBT, we should actually learn to celebrate a place that you can be free and be LGBT. And what was amazing about Tel Aviv is that you see mothers walking hand in hand with their children, having brought them from a crash, fathers doing the same, and people do not blink. And it's almost like, in a way, a, a utopia in the way that we should move on. So. Anyway, just to let you know, if you are more interested in the documentary, we're on Kickstarter at the moment. It's called A Queer Country. Please look it up. Um, we're about 20% through funding, and we've got another 19 days to go. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Question in the middle here. That may be our last one, so if you want to be the last one after this one, you better start thinking quickly. <laughs> Uh, hello, I'm Dave from Keshet UK Engages in London. Um, I firstly want to congratulate um, Surah and everyone uh, at Rainbow Juice because it's a, really an amazing, amazing project. Um, my, my question, I guess, is about um, families. And I wondered how much access you had to families, be it um, parents or children or, um, or siblings of the LGBT people that were featured in the film and as part of the exhibition. Because... Uh, a lot of what we're seeing now at Keshe UK and the problems that we're facing is that although there are many more people who are standing up and who are out and who are proud of who they are, we, we are aware that there's a lot of struggle still within the family. Um, and I'm, I would encourage anyone here in the audience who's a family member or uh, an ally really to stand up and tweet and to get involved with everything that's going on today because I think it's really, really important. And I think that it's one of the major um, struggles that the community is still facing. So I wondered... Uh, how, Surat, how much you were able to engage families uh, and so on for this project. Okay. Thanks for the question, Dave, and thank you for being here. Uh, Keshet is one of our allies in the project, so we've been very blessed with having such great allies, Keshet and the Jewish Gay and Lesbian Group and other groups, the Jewish community. Um, well, as in terms of oral history, you know, obviously oral history you know, is actually a one-on-one -on -one process. So the interviews are usually conducted you know, in a sense with adults you know, talking about their lives. So we've been you know, obviously you know, hearing the stories of people who came forward. So we do have stories, and this is not all the stories we've got, so wait for the archive. It's going to be um, quite a treasure box of stories. There are family stories. There are stories of, of people, as you've heard as well, people who had... Um, a, a straight marriage uh, and perhaps had children with a straight partner or they're, they're, they're it's just a, a, a diverse stories. It's just we, in this project, we let the people talk about their lives, they, they way they were just, they wanted to talk about their lives. And um, 
there are family stores and there are not family stores. But in a sense, um, there isn't really a clear uh, line. Uh, but um, I think the stories we have about families, about diverse rainbow or not rainbow families, could possibly, this is going back to educational resources, feed into other projects. Right, and we have also we're preparing the transcripts and not just you know of the audio, of both audio and audiovisual. So that could also work in terms of education and other projects. So um, yeah, we definitely have to think about these things. And, and, you know, family, transgender, um, gender identity. All these things could you know that could be projects from Rainbow Juicy. It just depends on funding. <laughs> but yeah, we've got some great funders here in the audience, so <laughs> I know we do. <laughs> hint, hint. So yeah, yes, <laughs> stuff in the pipeline. <laughs> I'd just like to add too that it was slightly outside the remit of this project. We didn't have a lot of money, and we did want to focus in, uh, first and foremost on pioneers. So it wasn't about their mums and dads; it was about them. So, um, but a lot of these people are parents. They and the, a lot of the stories involve them as children, their experiences in families, and also the parenting role. It's huge in the transcripts. So it's only a little window into, but mums and dads were not part of the project. <laughs> okay, we've got one. It has to be the last one, I'm afraid, just up here. Thank you. Uh, Sharon Ferguson from the Lesbian and Gay Christian Movement. Um, you started to, to touch on my question. I'm, I'm aware that uh, the funding has uh, just about come down to the last penny. Um, so where are you, how and where are you going to take the project from here? What are the plans for the future? Well, I suppose this is a question for me. <laughs> is it, but really and truly is a question for, um, for everyone um, who wants to put a bid in, and it's a question of if the funders, if they accept that bid, uh, if organizations like Liberal Judaism are, are happy to host such projects or other happy charities. We're not rolling in money, but we're <laughs> 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 no. Delighted and honored and privileged. <laughs> Let me be absolutely clear, following what Catherine said about the university. We, Liberal Judaism was honored, delighted, privileged, uh, to host it, it's part of part of who we are. You are, part, you know, we are all together in, in this in this project, and we were delighted. So let's be absolutely clear about that. But we haven't got a lot of cash sloshing around for the next stage. Yeah, as I said before, now in this conversation, there's plenty of material and plenty of ideas, at least in in my head. And there is actually someone here, Ajamu, and. Um in the audience, who uh, also is very interested in, in, in continuing certain projects that sort of, you know, um, developing out of Rainbow Juice, perhaps not Rainbow Juice, but <coughs> yes, um, if you're interested in collaboration or you have some money to spare or, you know, uh, you, you want our bits, there is, there's definitely stuff to do also with interfaith and working together, you know, with, for example, the gay lesbian Christian group. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm up for it and uh, liberal Judaism is definitely up for it and, yeah. I and think. I'm afraid I'm going to have to <laughs> cut you short. <laughs> Friends, I, I think we've had an inspiring, moving, pioneering evening. And I want to thank all of you who've come and taken part, our speakers, and indeed anybody who's been associated with this amazing event.